What's going on, everybody? Before we get to this week's episode here in the Multifamily Wealth Podcast, just wanted to give everybody a reminder that our off-market multifamily deals course is live. And in this course, I show investors exactly how they can build a robust pipeline of off-market multifamily deals. Uh, course has been doing well, and the folks that are in the program and are working through the content have really, really good things to say about uh, what they're learning. And we've actually seen some folks implement uh, what they've been learning in the course already and have started to uh, develop their pipeline, have been making offers on deals. And we have a few people who just six to eight weeks in have already gotten some properties under contract um, and otherwise would not have had the knowledge or the systems or the processes or all the templates that we share in there to do so prior to uh, hopping into the course. So if you're an active multifamily investor that wants to develop their uh, off-market pipeline and just put yourself in a position to find great off-market discounted deals. I think you'd find a lot of value in the content. So if you want to learn more, go to multifamilywealtheducation.com slash off-market and I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes of this episode as well. But let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. Uh, this week, I got a solo episode for you. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about vertical integration and what that means, uh, why investors do it in their real estate businesses, and uh, some of the pros and cons, really, to just vertically integrating some of the components of the, uh, you know, kind of the real estate service provider stack under your umbrella. So, First, let me define what it is, and because um, I think people have different definitions of it, but uh, or slightly different definitions, I should say. But in a general sense, vertical integration is when a business uh, either starts or folds in uh, supply lines to their business, kind of under their umbrella, or or they start buying adjacent businesses that that complement their core business. So, for example, you know, let's say you're somebody who's you know making orange juice, right? Your Tropicana. Um, you probably buy your oranges from a supplier of some kind. Uh, I'm guessing they, they do. Maybe they're vertically integrated as well, but we'll use them as an example. So you're making orange juice, you're buying your oranges from a supplier, and you want, you want to develop more control over your supply source, right, where you're getting your oranges. So you can either buy you know, a, an orange-growing company, a farm of some kind, or you can start your own, right? And that way you control that part of the process and you have a little bit more control of your own destiny, and you know where your supply is coming from um you know another example is stores like amazon or walmart starting store brand products right because now they um not only are they just retailing other people's they're also retailing their own and they and they can uh, you know basically earn an increased margin when they're selling those products um you know those are business examples of vertical integration and in real estate uh, commonly, what we see when firms vertically integrate is they either start their own management company, or they buy a management company. They start their own construction company, or they buy their own, you know, buy a construction company, you know, buy a flooring business, a, a startup flooring business. Um, you know, you start and buy interchangeably here because they're achieving the same end result. But basically, they're controlling more of the process, um, and that's really the reason for doing this. And I'll start with, you know, I, I want to talk about the pros of. Of vertically integrating because we have started our own management company in the, one of the markets we buy in up in New Hampshire, and um, we've learned a whole lot doing that. Um, and there's some pros, there's some cons, and I'm going to share them here and give you some insight into whether or not it makes sense to do this in your business, and uh, whether or not it makes sense to plan for this in your business growth. So, you know, the first pro, as I've mentioned, 
is you control more of the process, which is really important, especially within the real estate business, you know, especially when you're operating assets, right? So I'm a multifamily investor. I'm assuming, you know, the vast majority of folks listening to this podcast are. And if you're buying a property and you're hiring a third party management company, you are somewhat at the whim of what's going on within that organization, right? The owner could decide to sell the business. You know, they could decide to raise their pricing. They could be using poor vendors. They might, you know, not have a great leasing process, right? You're not in their business. You're not controlling what they do. So you, you basically have to work with what they're doing. Um, and if you work with a great management company, that might be okay. You know, they probably are doing a good job, but you still lack true and full control over what's going on from a management perspective. Um, you know, and the other, the, the other pro to doing this, and it kind of falls under this umbrella as well as it relates to control, is you save money when you vertically integrate. So obviously a management company is in business to make a profit. So whatever they're charging you, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're obviously netting something at the end of the day to make it worth their while. Um, you know, the average margins for a property management company are somewhere between 15 and 25%, probably in that range, you know, that's most service businesses. So they're probably charging you 20% more than what it costs them to actually provide those management services. So if you were to bring it under your umbrella, you're saving that 20% and you're saving some money on management, which, you know, obviously is a pro to doing so. Uh, another pro to doing it is that it becomes easier to raise capital. And this is specific for commercial real estate. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll use multifamily as an example here, but when a sponsor is going out there and trying to raise money for a deal they're looking to buy, investors are much more likely to invest in that deal if they see the sponsor has developed infrastructure in their marketplace. And if they control more of the process, that's better because there's less execution risk to the investor. There's less likelihood that things are going to go wrong than are outside of the sponsor's control. So, you know, if we're looking at two investors, one's got a, you know, 100 unit value add deal in Dallas. And then, you know, we have another one that's got a 100 unit value add deal in Dallas. Let's say they're both the same quality of deals, you know, apples to apples comparison here, same purchase price, same business plan, same everything. But the first investor is working with a local third party management company and a local GC and investor B, a sponsor B in the situation owns their management company. You know, they have their whole management company on staff under their umbrella and they also have a construction on staff under their umbrella. You know, which, which investor do you think is more likely to execute the business plan with, with less hiccups, right? Or, or no hookups, probably sponsor B, probably investor B, right? Cause they control more of the process. So investors really like to see that. And we've noticed in our business that it's helped us to raise capital, um, especially because we operate in kind of a secondary tertiary market where there's less service providers to work with. Um, and that's where it becomes even more critical to control this part of the process. Um, you know, the fourth con that I'll, or fourth con, excuse me, the fourth pro that I'll mention is you can also start doing outside business. And that's what we did with our management company is we started it with our portfolio. And once we developed the systems and we realized we had a really great service that we could offer other investors, uh, we started uh, doing third-party management for other folks. And um, you know, our, blue, our, our business up there, Blue Door Living, you know, in my opinion, obviously I'm very biased, but I think it's the best third-party management company for small to mid-sized multifamily you know, in Manchester and Southern New Hampshire. And it's because we know exactly what we want as owners and we're providing that for our clients because we're just doing the same thing to our units, right? 
Uh, and being able to provide services to outside clients can help you grow that line of business faster, which can accelerate the process to, to bringing on more staff and to achieving more scale, um, which is something that I'm going to talk about in the cons. So hold that thought. But it allows you to, to add another revenue stream and it allows you to grow the headcount of that business a little bit faster than if you were just doing your own you know, management or construction or whatever the business is. And in my opinion, the larger the business is, the easier it is to run because it can afford uh, better people to be involved within the overall organization. So to recap the four pros of vertically integrating, uh, one, you control the process. Two, you have cost savings associated with that. Three, it's easier to raise capital and uh, investors like to see uh, or like to invest with sponsors that are vertically integrated. And four, you're building out the framework to start doing outside business and to develop another revenue stream. And uh, in the world of you know private equity, real estate, that's really important because there's not a lot of income. You know, there, you you have short spikes of income. You know, every time you sell a property or trigger a promote or do a cash out refi, you get a nice check. But there's oftentimes long periods of no income between those periods of high income. So having another consistent income source can be helpful. Now let's talk about the cons um, because it's not easy to do this. And there's a reason most investors don't do this. The first thing is that is it's extremely time consuming if you want to do this correctly. Now, let's say you're starting a management company to manage your own portfolio. You know, you got 150 units, you got third-party management looking after them, and you're like, you know, I think it makes sense to bring it in-house. Well, you basically have to start your own management company. You have to do all of the logistical things to get a new business off the ground in terms of building the systems, building the processes, signing up and getting the software set up, um, you know, learning the software if you haven't used it in the past. You need to, you know, the, the trickiest part is lining up all the individuals that are going to launch this business with you. You know, the maintenance techs, the the leasing agents, the property managers, you know, you need somebody at the top that's really going to own this process because you don't want to do it. Um, obviously, you want to keep your your focus on finding deals and raising money. You don't want to become a an owner of a management company. So you need somebody who's really, really experienced to run that. And you have to find that person, which is challenging. You know, you have to set up, set up the bank accounts. You got to set up the entity. Um, you have to do all of these different things. I mean, what I just mentioned is a fraction of it, but you have all of these different to do's on a list to get it off the ground. And that is very, very time consuming. And this is assuming that you know how to do all of this better than your service provider, which is a huge asterisk. You know, let's say you have, you work with a really, really great management company. Like I probably wouldn't want to just vertically integrate for the sake of doing it. Cause I just might not do as good of a job as them, you know? And then if you think about it, if your management company if you think that your management company would do a 20% better job doing this than you would if you did it in-house, then you should keep working with them because even though you might be saving that 20% from a cost standpoint, you might just not do fundamentally as good of a job internally from a management standpoint or a construction or whatever it is. And you might actually be losing money and taking on all of this headache. So the big reason we started ours was because we saw a lack of quality alternatives and we knew we could do it better no matter what. But if you're in a mature market with a great management company, great GC, what have you, it might just make sense to keep working with them and to save, your, save yourself all the time to doing this. So that's con number one. Con number two is that the business line that you're bringing under your umbrella, right, that you're vertically integrating can become really fragile if you don't already have scale. So, you know, let's use this hypothetical. So, you, you, you know, you're this individual that's got the 150 units, right? You got 150 units, you want to go hire a maintenance guy, a leasing guy, and a property manager, or, a, you know, a couple of maintenance guys and a proper, property manager to bring this in-house. 
So you do all this work, you get it off the ground, you find the, you know, your, your rockstar property manager to come in and run that business and to really own the day to day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now you're three months in, what happens if that person decides to leave? You know, they give you, they give you your two week notice or they give you their two week notice. I should say you are, you are up shit's Creek without a paddle to the purest sense of that analogy. <laughs> like, you know, you have bought yourself an extremely fragile business and now you have to be the property manager in the short term. Like you got to jump in the business. And, um, and not only does that require intimate knowledge of the systems and processes, it's going to just become what you spend all of your time doing until you find a replacement. So in my opinion, it doesn't really make sense to do this unless you have scale or you know that you can get to scale very quickly and you can afford you know, to grow a headcount. Because if you do this before the business can really support multiple people into where it's still dependent on one individual, you're, 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 you might be putting yourself in a really, really tricky spot. So that's number two is the business can become really fragile. Now, con number three is you're going to be dividing your focus, right? By definition, you're dividing your focus because you're focusing on something that isn't finding deals, raising money and growing the investment business. So if you're going to do that, you better make sure that there's a really good reason for you to do that. You better make sure you have the scale that you know you can do a better job, that it's going to be something that serves you in the long term, so that you benefit from the compounding efforts of doing all of this upfront and not just because you want to save 20%. Like that's not enough of a reason to do, to do all of this because it's, because you're basically stepping over dollars to save pennies if you're doing this to save just the money, right? It's just not a big enough reason. Um, and I'm going to get to some, some of the final takeaways, but to recap the cons here, the three cons of vertically integrating, at least in my opinion, it's extremely time consuming. Your business can become significantly more fragile. And by definition, you're dividing your focus, which can have a, an economic implication in the short term. Now, final takeaways to close out the episode here. So I think that vertically integrating, whether you're starting a management company, buying a management company, starting a construction company, buying a construction company, whatever, you know, whatever it is, I think it makes sense to do it when you already are at scale. Like when you have scale to where the business then becomes anti-fragile because you can afford to hire enough people to be in that business to where if one person leaves the whole house of cards doesn't come crumbling down. So, you know, in multifamily, maybe this is a couple hundred doors or, you know, you start your management company with a hundred and then you can quickly get to 200 knowing, you know, you have a deal under contract or, you know, you have some, some folks that you can do third party management for or whatever, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe you're okay with the business being fragile because you're fine with jumping back in, which again, I wouldn't recommend, but you know, I think you just have to understand that that's a, a scenario. And I think it's just easier to just do this with scale because, um, because you can just afford to hire the best, which is my second takeaway. And that's hire the best people and pay them accordingly so that they, so that they stick to your business. Right. And again, I think that the reasons for doing this should not be strictly money. Shouldn't it be cost savings? For example, the reason we did it was because we knew it was going to make it easier to raise capital because we knew we had to control the process because we were predominantly in a tertiary market and that was critical. And, um, you know, reason three was saving the money. That wasn't reason one or two. And, uh, you know, we knew that we could monetize it as well because I had a deep network of investors up there and we could grow a third party portfolio. Right. So that was kind of like, you know, reason four, as, as we already touched on at the beginning of the, the episode. But you can't just do it for money. Right. Because then you're going to inherently want to pay market for, you know, B level talent. And you're just going to put yourself in a, in a really fragile spot. So hire the A players, compensate them accordingly to what they're worth, if not above that. 
and, uh, and keep them incentivized to stay in the business, whether that's some kind of you know, profit share or some kind of bonus structure, maybe some equity in this business if you're going to be doing third-party management as well. So they're incentivized to go sell third-party contracts or to grow the revenue. Whatever it is, hire the best to pay them and get to scale as fast as you can so that you can have a headcount of 5, 10, 15 people and the business doesn't become fragile. And the third takeaway is you need to develop uh, significant clarity on why you're doing this. And I've already touched on it so I can breeze through it. But if it's purely for money, um, you know, I, I guess that's an okay reason. But you, but you better understand <laughs> all of the trade-offs you're making economically to save that, you know, 20, 25, 15% of management, whatever it is. You're going to be investing dozens and dozens and dozens of hours up front. And, you know, it, 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 you just have to do the math there. Um, don't just do it for the sake of doing it because you, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're buying more headaches. In terms of why we did it, I already mentioned we wanted the control. We wanted to make it easier to raise money. We wanted the cost savings, et cetera. But we also knew that we could provide a significantly superior management service to other owners in our market. And we were very clear from the beginning that we were going to offer third-party services, third-party management services. We were going to bring in outside clients. And we just knew that we could do a better job. And we knew we could impact the local market as well from just a quality of housing standpoint. And that the market needed a management company that was going to serve as both owners and residents at a higher level. So, you know, we had a deeper mission behind it. And uh, and that's the reason we started it. And if it wasn't for that reason, probably would have gave up, honestly, because it was just so much damn work to get it off the ground. And it was a lot of work to just to just get it to the point in the first couple of years to where it became somewhat self-sustaining. And that's where we're, you know, approaching in that business now. So um, long story short, I hope that you all benefited from this uh, longer solo episode And um, again, thank you for listening to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, check out our off-market multifamily deals course if you're looking to find more deals. Um, I think it's the best resource to help investors find more discounted off-market deals out there. And again, check that out at multifamilywealtheducation.com slash off-market. And again, thank you for listening.